We got some big moves out there in both directions. Has Elon Musk lost his touch a little bit with investors? We'll talk about the price action of that now under 200. CRM, are you kidding me? Up 26 bucks. Algos going wild. Cover Burlington stores, Best Buy, Macy's. We got a lot to cover. We got Mark Chaking coming out at 8.15 for a market update. This is pre-market prep. Get ready. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders, investors. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Uh, down 13 handles in the S&Ps at 43 and a half. We are almost 20 handles off the low of the session, so that's the good thing. Uh, the buck bounces back after the decline yesterday, up 36 cents, 104.79. Uh, bonds, they're down a little over half a point, 123 and 17.30 seconds. Crude, working in the 78 handle now, up 37 cents is 78.06. Gold, down after a couple-day rally, down 670, 1838.70. Silver, back under 21, down 20.5 cents at 20.89. And Bitcoin futures, having a $500 range, down $65 at $23,465. let us bring in Triple D first. Triple D, did you have your head on a swivel last night? Holy moly. Yeah, There's big some... moves. I mean, wow. we're seeing wicked individual stock moves. The indices are kind of just choppy, but the yeah. individual stock moves are nothing short of incredible. I mean, the CRM move, I didn't look the expected move, but I can pretty much guarantee you that it wasn't 25 points. So there are some wicked, wicked moves. And then you get to Tesla, Investor's Day. And again, we see this again and again, where Musk promises a lot of stuff free, gets gets on there, and then obviously he's not living up to those promises immediately. So, you know, he talks up stuff so much. That when he actually presents what he's trying to present is like investors become disappointed because he's not changing the entire world. I mean, think about what he was saying ahead of that conference, Mitch. You know, he was talking about <laughs> this is going to be earth changing, like global earth changing, changing. <laughs> like going to give you the whole plan to save the earth. It well, sounded like he, he was going to win the Nobel the Peace Prize or something. He sounded yeah, like well, he was going to win. And when he doesn't do that, investors are like, oh, this isn't that great. And this is the result you get. And it's down 15 bucks. And now you're taking out key support. So here you got two major companies going in complete opposite directions here. Indices leaking a little bit. Um, I don't know. So where do you want to start? There's so much stuff we could talk about. Well, let's start with Tesla, then we'll get to Salesforce. Let's go to Tesla, of course. It fails to impress that it's Investor Day. Master Plan Part 3, right? This was supposed to be a big, big move here. Tesla has produced 4 million cars as of Wednesday. Um, of course, they talked about plans of how they were going to scale up to increasing competition. Um, Elon and Senior Vice President of the Powertrain Energy Engineering at Tesla, Drew 
uh, Baglino said that repowering the grid with renewable fuels as they ramp up battery production, both Tesla's electric vehicles and the company's utility scale energy store systems. Um, so pretty much they're saying that um, they're going to be able, Tesla itself, to be able to put the energy back onto the grid that's needed to support mankind. That's where that comment came from, Dennis, uh, just to kind of it's state that. It's just like, it's the commentary that drives me bananas. This person, and I respect Elon Musk so much as, you know, a creator. I think he's one of the best creators we've had in the last century. Um, just the stuff he's accomplished. But his biggest problem is it's his mouth. He just can't stop, you know, like he says, you know, in the last conference call, not this earnings, the last earnings, he's like, well, Tesla's eventually going to be the most valuable company in the world. I mean, you just set, and it's great to have goals, but when you talk stuff up like this as a CEO all the time, the expectations you raise by doing this stuff is just so much. I mean, I don't think anything was said bad on this Tesla call, but he's talking about global changing. He's talking about, you know, and again, it's nice to have those lofty expectations, but then when you don't deliver immediately, like he was basically saying, we're going to present something that's going to change, you know, the entire globe here. And then he doesn't do that. And the stock falls $15. So it's kind of just his mouth, the cause of why we're down 15 bucks here today, in my opinion. Let's get into some of the positive that was stated yesterday, of course, and this was actually released before the investor day uh, meeting, but was the large factory that they're going to be building in Mexico, right? It's a gigafactory in Mexico. Uh, it looks like they're going to be using recycled water to help with the water situation in that area. Um, so definitely this one was a positive for them as they keep building more and more gigafactories around the world. And then it was this one, I think, was the definitely the slide to catch. I don't know if you guys caught this one, but this was regard to transitions to EV and pretty much Tesla's goal to produce 20 million electric vehicles per year by 2030. Um, and so if you look at this slide, one thing that you do see is that you see on the Cybertruck there on the right. Yeah. Well, there's something above it that's hidden from us. And so it looks like this is how Elon started getting a little bit of the rumors going here. So what could it be, right? It looks like there's another truck coming sometime down the line. And then there's to the right of that looks to be maybe a generation three platform. And so that's what's being talked about right now um, out there. Of course, you're seeing here the semi truck and the cyber truck, but there's some new products that they tried to highlight here, but didn't really give us any information. They just kind of- I, I think um I think the price action is what we should focus on here because yeah, this is yeah. yeah I mean we need the price action and there yeah, is just a step is- down seller here and we are trading on the lows of the session 18678 we continue to make new lows I mean, it's so hard to go the opposite way on things. I'll just alert investors. There's a pair of lows uh, surrounding the 183 area, a pair of daily lows, 182.61 and 183.39. And then you drop off a cliff to just above 170. So pick your poison here. But uh, looks like that 182 is going to come into play. Uh, on a rebound, I don't, if you're trying to scoop this up early, I don't think you're going to get a shot at yesterday's low at 198.52. But let's talk about a stock going in the opposite direction. CRM, Dennis, it is up like this, and it looks like it's still bid. It looks oh, like it's, it's been still... up there all night. So oh this my isn't gosh. this is now an Nvidia. This is now, you know, even a PANW where these things don't typically come back in one day. But again, we're in a bear market. So 
they do seem to eventually leak, but they hold up. I mean, PNW is still up. Six days later after the good report, it's holding up well. NVIDIA really, too, just started yesterday because they dropped that uh, mixed shelf on the market, which nobody even talked about. So, and, and again, you know, when you see a mixed shelf drop, it doesn't mean they're imminently going to dilute the stock, but it means they can raise capital and they can do a number of things. So when you throw that out there, they're like, ooh, they're thinking about raising capital. I mean, sometimes, you know, companies like banks do mix shelves all the time. They don't use them. But in this case, I think, you know, the nervousness of the market, I think that's why NVIDIA was down yesterday um, because it was down after hours on that and it popped back and people were forgetting about it. But it was weighing on the stock a little bit. So CRM, though, wow. I mean, Benioff does deliver um, in this case, blows it away. He had light expectations last quarter. So we were expecting, you know, and then he comes out now, they're raising guidance and going. So I don't know what he saw. That's changed his mind, but you know they did everything right here. Mitch, give us the numbers. All right, EPS at a dollar sixty-eight beat the dollar thirty-seven estimate. Sales at eight point three eight billion beat the seven point nine nine billion estimate. They do see Q one adjusted EPS to a dollar sixty and a dollar sixty-one versus a dollar thirty-two estimate. Revenue up towards eight point one eight billion on the high end versus an eight point zero five billion estimate. So all estimates pointing in the right direction. Fiscal twenty four adjusted EPS definitely over the estimate of five dollars and eighty four cents. Now to a high end of seven dollars and fourteen cents. Expected move is twelve bucks. So <laughs> it's crazy that people pay twelve dollars. That seemed like a high expected move too. I mean, it worked out in this case. For 25 and again you can pick your direction and you go six and six so then you're making some money if you're directional trading here but um the expected move not holding in so it's double the expected move which is a huge move and you think about the 200 as a logical stopping point i mean we saw this with meta as well you know meta had the huge pop stayed up there for five six days and then it started yeah yeah so i mean i think that's the recipe here in this market it's like when you report, sometimes they continue to go higher. It's definitely not, it hasn't been a good idea to fade these huge pops on day one. But, you know, Karen Feinerman says often wait till day three or day four, you get a better feel for it. I think that's the case here too. I don't think CRM is going to give it back right away because the simple thing is like you were saying, pre-market after hours trade up there the whole time. Market started to leak. This isn't giving back a tick. So they're loving this company here right now. Yeah. Does that mean Ooh. this is going to be the driver and going back to all-time highs? I don't think so. I think eventually it'll start to leak. But I think that leak could come in a few days, not in a few hours. Yeah. Uh, and talk about another stock filling the gap, NVIDIA. Uh, but you talked about the catalyst behind that. Uh, after my poor performance or poor uh, analysis of uh, First Solar yesterday, I'm just going to give you uh, um, your a high in the pre-market at 194.90. And then if you go to the monthly, and you have a high at 194.37. So that, that's a decent number to me. Of course, you blast through that. Who knows where you're going? But uh, that would be a focus number for me today, 194.90 for CRM. So right, many now one other thing companies reporting just, here. Go ahead, Mitch. Just one adding comment there on CRM. It just shows me more and more not to bet against Elliott Management um, because they just keep kick, kicking it out of the water. Every company they're getting into seems to be doing pretty well it adds a floor when you get elliot behind you and it's a good point here mitch it seems to add a floor i mean look at pinterest you know and i believe it's elliot is it elliot and pinterest i believe yeah. it is yeah you're uh, same thing you know they got in this thing around 20 21 dollars and again it hasn't really gone too far but it hasn't got killed either and the market's been coming off the highs too 
So, I mean, it does help to have that support of an activist in there. And I mm -hmm. think there's buyers that just chase these. And as they pull back to those levels where the activists may have got in, there's more buyers there too. So it helps to follow these guys for sure. So I don't like to follow them the next day when they get the big pop. But again, when they pull back the fade, to the yeah. area where they were originally, you know, the stock was before we knew about Elliot, that's probably more of the play. And when did we learn about Elliot in CRM here, Mitch? Do you have that in the pro? I know you can go back and find that stuff. Was this like, I feel like it was only like a month or two ago. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that, that far ago. back. That's why I kind of wanted to state it. I was even searching for it. I, I, I'm i having a little issues find finding it. it really quickly here. Yeah, I'm going to look um, through the pro here just at the same time with you because it wasn't that long ago. Maybe the yeah. chat can help us out here too. When we found out about the Elliott stake, just to see the price action and see if you ever did get another shot because it always pops. When Elliott gets announced in there or rumored in there, it pops. And it's never a great idea to buy those pops, but it's usually a great idea to you you know, know, buy the, the pullback the after the, the pop. Disney uh the disney has been okay i mean it had the pop and then he won the proxy is it elliot and or... disney yeah, yeah it is elliot yeah and he also said western digital was a hundred dollar company i mean so i mean there's you know he's pretty good Ooh, western digital coming down and filling the gap uh so i mean it's a mixed bag i, I agree with you though dennis i mean that Disney, when he won the proxy fight after the earnings and was on CNBC, that might have been the greatest opportunity to sell Disney uh, since September. That that was that exact day. I remember him being on CNBC and, do, and doing his victory lap. Look what the stock did after that. So, um, you know, I take take it with a grain of salt, right? He, he moves some, he gets some right, gets some wrong, just like the rest of Wall Street here. But January, it's not going to get 100%. The yep. date is January 23rd. When they January got this state. So oh, no, he's nailed this one. This one is just a flat out. Yeah, it gapped up that day. I mean, yep, yeah, we can see it now. Yeah. Don't bet yeah. against it. It did come back, it though, like, Joel, the next day. So it you did. It filled up. the gap. Yep. It came wow. back. That was your opportunity. When it went to the 160 on Elliott, then the next mm -hmm. day it pulled back to 150. That was the buy, <laughs> the 150. I mean, this is the way to play these, in my opinion, is you get the pop. Then you let it, you know, sometimes it's rare. It comes back the next day. Nice so little gap. Really good opportunity. But if you can yeah. fill that gap back from the Elliott pop, those are decent opportunities here. And I mean, yeah, you can say Disney was hit. Oh, what's going on with Disney right now, actually? Disney's getting, <laughs> oh, Disney's just down. Somebody was saying Disney's getting hit now. But nice. um, Disney has been hit since the earnings, though. I mean, again, this oh, was Nelson one. They were, they were taking a wrong. victory lap Pelch. on TV. Kramer was taking a victory lap on TV. When they all start taking their victory laps on CNBC, ring the register and get the hell out because that means everybody that's in it is already in it. So um, Disney just had such a ridiculous move. It's why I sold it as well. I sold early because I didn't want to take it through the print. Um, 85, I sold out at 109 and 110, I believe, uh, because I was just like, this is just too much too fast. You know, 25 points in a month on Disney. And then it went to 120 and change. You won't see that on the thing, but after hours, it was trading at 120. And now we've just continued to leak. So I do think you're going to get an opportunity back here in 90 to 95, and I will reload my Disney. So in the long-term account, because it's okay. worked a couple times for us already. This is a key level. I'd love to get it back at 85. I don't know if you're going to get all the way there. Impossible though. So um, I do like the pullback in Disney. I just, and, and again, maybe it's only 98 it's going to give you, but I think, you know, the way we're going, we got Mark. Market, we got I feel Mark like we're going to get more. Mark Chaykin. Got it. Yep. That's what time it is. You know it. Let's get to it, team. I know you guys in the chat were talking about it earlier. Let's get to Mark Chaikin here.
How we doing? We're doing great. The power gauge turned bullish on Salesforce on January 3rd. Mm. 1.36. That's a great call there. And obviously, oh. Elliot was a driver here too. But I mean, yeah, it's a good earnings way, report. Yeah, what Dan, do you do? So, Dan Loeb is in there as well. You know. So, Mark. And again, we're, we're, we're being seen that this is the market to take profits in when you got it. I mean, here's a huge pop. You, your power gauge turns bullish at 136. The stock's 193. Basically up 50% since your power gauge turned bullish. When do you sell? When do you take the profits? Depends what your style is. If you're a trader, you definitely take it. Although sometimes these things last for a day or two after the pop. So yeah, if you're a trader, you sell it. I, long-term, Salesforce, um, yeah, they've got a lot of things they can do. My favorite tool in the world ever is Slack. I wish they hadn't bought it. I wish it was still public. Singularly the best productivity tool I've ever seen. And that, but that's just, you know, they're pushing them to maybe spin it off, which would be a big win. But if you're an investor, you just hang on if you believe there's a a bull market to taking you to new highs because this will go to another 50%. Let's talk about that. Do you believe we're still in this bull market here that is going to take us to new highs? Obviously, we've pulled back significantly in the last couple of weeks here. Um, if you're believing in the bull market, this seems like an excellent opportunity to get in. What's the power gauge showing now? Overall, it's showing in the overall market? more bullish than bearish stocks, even though we've had about a 7% pullback. Um, I'd rather talk about what to do in the market. Sure. I, I'm still a buyer on pullbacks. I wish some of the big names that have really had huge moves in the construction industry like FIX and EME and MYRG would pull back. But guess what? They're making new all-time highs. This is a market where you want to be buying the dips. And, you know, whether you see it that way or not, as uh, Walter Diemer, who was, you know, the, the sort of creator of the uh, breakaway momentum thrust that everybody who's technically oriented is keying on for the, since January 13th said, when you should be buying them, you won't want to buy them. That's a great, uh, I saw that quote go by on, I think it was yeah. getting around on Twitter yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Quote, and, well, I saw it too. It's a great point. It's a recurring theme with yeah. Walter, uh, who's a brilliant guy. I called him when the um, momentum thrust triggered because I watch it as well. And I had never talked to him. Uh, we had emailed once or twice, had a wonderful 20 minute chat with him on a Saturday. Great guy, very thorough. And he's taking a lot of flack on uh, Twitter right now, by the way, because of this bullish call that he made, which is ridiculous. I mean, if you don't want to be in the market, you don't want to follow a guy, just go away. But don't troll him. It's crazy. Well, that that's 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 Twitter. If you want to be on they Twitter, you will be trolled. That's uh, one thing right. you got to understand. Um, but one thing but, that I would ask Mark is that you're you're saying that bullish outlook, right? What would what levels are you maybe looking on that the spy the S and P five hundred for it to break to break that mentality? Well, Joel asked me that. Joel asked me that two weeks ago, and I misspoke. I said thirty nine sixty. The the level is thirty eight fifty to thirty eight seventy. So after these breakaway momentum thrusts you get a, a decline of between five and 8%. Sometimes it happens from the day of the thrust, which was January 13th. Sometimes it happens from a higher peak, which in this case was 4,200. So an 8% drop from 4,200 takes you down to 3,865. 
it's such a choppy market though like aren't you concerned that if we do pull back to 38.50 that that's actually going to be the buying opportunity and then we just rip higher here i mean momentum strategies in certain stocks has worked well but in the overall market it's just chopping up and i've been warning traders about this as well is that and i've been calling for a sideways market here for quite a while here now too um, that we're just going to be in this prolonged chop because the battle between the bulls and the bears, even me and you, Mark, were battling it out last time you were on the show between the bulls and the bears. It's heated right now. And I think this heated battle just equals more chop. Like, well, I think, so but but if, if you're right, then you want to be buying the dips. If it's a trading range market, what could be better than buying strong stocks on pullbacks? Or selling some... weak stocks on rallies. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you should be shorting in this market because we've been saying for nine months avoid the previous bull markets favorites but guess what zoom got a bullish rating in the power gauge two days ago wow that's a that, why so, why did zoom or i guess well it's you know analyst estimates and changing uh psychology and who knows why it's 20 factors in the model which is great because yeah, i was just going to ask you about that mark do you run that like for the power gauge for the factors uh do you want do you run one so obviously you don't have one for the s p right because there's like different analysts do you no, have no, one we, for the s p yeah we have a rating the ratings bullish for the s p the iwm and the qq so what did a, what did I, and i don't want you to reveal the secret sauce no, here no, no. but what what in the power gauge would give you more of a bullish indication when the market drops 200 handles well, but uh, oh, in the S and P, it it looks at the number of stocks with bullish versus bearish ratings on both a weighted and unweighted basis. Okay. It looks at the trend of the market. Uh, looks at relative performance, and you know there you have it. It's the only uh, multi-factor model for ETFs, and and it does combine fundamentals with technicals. But by the way, I would still be buying the RSP instead of the um, SPY. I think the you know the large cap mega cap stocks are going to underperform, which means you want to be in the S and P, but equally weighted and get the benefit of some of the smaller cap names that are doing so well. That chart looks a heck of a lot better than the the SPY. It sure does because yeah. it doesn't have you know right Amazon and tech. Google. Yeah, and wow, that's it interesting. Wow, you know, man. and if if Tesla ever gives it back, then it's really going to outperform the SPY. But I, I mean, there, I, there is, uh, let's talk about something to buy because sure. uh, Delta Airlines, got to buy Delta Airlines down here. Great chart, pullback. Uh, people are booking flights. Yeah. You know, I, I'd almost like to recommend a cruise line, but uh, there's, scary. Only, there's only one with a bullish rating, which is Royal Caribbean. Don't I worry, that's, that's the one I'm point. going on soon. <laughs> there you go. You, you, they must, you must be a big spender, Mitch. Oh, but, yeah. uh, you know, again, my uh, sort of partner, Pete Carmesino, uh, who's got broad experience as both a money manager and RIA and um, a strategist, has always said, you know, the technicals tell you when they don't tell you why. You find out the why later. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. You know, that's so sure. don't fuss about the why. Yeah, could, could, yeah, who knows what could happen? China could invade Taiwan. Uh, you know, no, nobody knows. And if you invest waiting for the other shoe to drop, guess what? You're going to miss 90% of all the upside in life. And sure, you'll avoid one 
slammed down to 3,000 in the S&P from 3,900. But if you're an investor, you just can't be afraid of your shadow. It, it doesn't work that way. All right, I'm going to come in here with a, a different one. I know we talk about the power gauge often, but of course you got the taking money flow, right? Well, the money oh. flow is starting to crack the zero line. Mark, what do we do if it starts hanging out down below the zero line? Well, I mean, that's normal. What's not normal is put up CRM and look at the accumulation in CRM or RSP. Ooh, there yeah. you go. So that's what you look for. You see okay. that kind of accumulation on dips and look at the RSP that there that's where they're buying or the IWM. I, I still think small and mid cap stocks are the place to be in this market. And the money flow is telling you that if you look just at those three and say, okay, I can choose between IWM, RSP or the SPY, it's got to be RSP and, and IWM. And the reason is clear that small and mid cap stocks are going to outperform. I, you know, I often, quote what my wife Sandy is doing because she doesn't bring any baggage to this. She's got four stocks in her portfolio that are making new all-time highs. Four. Now, she also has some legacy positions in NVIDIA, you know, in Adobe that are not doing well. But take a look at EME, and I'm not recommending these at this level, EME, FIX, and MYRG. Come on, are you telling me this is a bear market? We're telling you it's a sideways market. Well, but we these aren't sideways this. stocks. That's my point. If you focus too much on the market, you mm -hmm. miss the opportunities. These stocks all had bullish power gauge ratings for the last six months. Since the, before the October bottom. This is where you wanted to be instead of debating with some idiot on Twitter about whether we're in a bull or a bear market. It's counterproductive. This is what's productive. Find strong stocks and strong industry groups with bullish power gauge fundamentals, however you measure them, and accumulation. If you look at shaking money flow in these stocks, you see what's going on. Two of those three I just mentioned have incredible shaking money flow. So I, you know, even Nvidia got a bullish rating yesterday in our model. Finally turned bullish. So, you know, everybody's going to be standing at the station waiting for the train, and it ain't coming back into the station. Even in the worst bear markets, though, Mark, and again, you can cherry pick three stocks that are pretty small companies here. Even in the worst bear markets, there are always, always some stocks that are making you all time. This is, a, this is a whole industry group. You're right, Dennis. This is construction and engineering. Yeah. This is an industry group with 40 names in it, and 20 of them have bullish ratings. And the reason is we've got a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill that was passed. Where's that money going? It's going into roads, bridges, tunnels, uh, rebuilding our infrastructure. And these are the companies that are benefiting from it. Is that I good just, for oil stocks too, Mark? Because um, I, I just look at the pullback here. And again, I'm, I'm one of those traders that like you know the dip to buy as opposed to buying stocks at new all-time highs because I don't like to chase. I see all these oil stocks have pulled significantly off of the highs, and I see them still making a lot of money here. Do you think the oil trade still has you know, room to come back higher here again? I do. I love Valero and PSX. Um, I've sort of stayed away from the majors, although they're doing really well. But Valero had a nice pullback and then a pop, uh, I think, yesterday. And PSX is doing pretty well. I think if you have 
a favorite natural gas stock, you should be buying it here. What do you uh, have one? What about uh, MPC? I, I like, I like EQT. EQT. EQT is the largest. It, it has a bearish rating in, in the power gauge, so I can't touch it right now. But um, someone posted on the internet about what's happened in the natural gas futures we got, market. We got some numbers here, Mark. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's we're, okay. we're, we're, we're dropping. Dennis, watch the bids there. Watch yeah. the bids here. We're All right. Initial jobless Thanks, claims coming. Yep. Be well, guys. Have a good one, Mark. Yeah. You guys keep up with everything that Chaking Analytics has to offer. And you guys can check out the power gauge yourself. I'm bringing in here the numbers as we come to it. 195,000 uh, is the initial jobless claims consensus. We'll see what happens. Prior was 192. Let's see what we get on the numbers now. I'm putting up Joel's charts to watch the action. Yeah, it's uh, this is a thin area. Now, someone made a good observation yesterday about you know where the next daily low was, and uh, it's down here closer to thirty nine hundred. Uh, we have a pair of lows, and I don't know if, if this is going to come in today. Thirty nine on one seventy five, and then thirty nine eleven seventy five. So that's your sweet spot, but. You know, it that the way we're zigging and zagging, and you know yeah. the intraday moves. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get the flush today, uh, but it just seems like even yesterday we took out the low of the move, and then we came back to scratch. You know, on the session, but that I'm looking at the really that 39 to quarter doesn't mean much to me today. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the regular session. Triple D, what are you seeing in the equities off this number? Um, they're leaking again. We are seeing some rotation to Mark's point is this has been the market of rotation there. And there is bull markets in certain pockets for sure. There are bear markets in certain pockets and there's sideways market. And overall, that's why the market keeps going like, just like this. I think overall is because you have so many stocks that are weak and other stocks that are strong. And it's just, you know, and we've talked about the relentless strength in general electric, which is just unbelievable here. But um, today, I'm seeing pretty much selling across the board. Only thing I'm seeing stronger, Macy's, it reported. We could get to that in a second. So some of your retail stocks are holding up okay. Kroger had a pretty good day here, too, off the earnings report here. Some of the consumer staples are trading higher, which, again, is more defense here. But I'm looking at the banks getting hit here now. I'm looking at Tesla just leading the charge for- Is it still um, going? Yeah. Oh, it's still falling here, Joel. 186 here now, down 16 points <laughs> here. So, I mean, this is, you know- Again, we often do see, you know, and we've already talked about this earlier. If you were listening at eight o'clock, I don't know if everybody was listening at eight o'clock, but you know, often Musk you know, talks be. up so much ahead of these investor uh, presentations that when the investor presentation actually comes, it's more of a sell event because he just can't live up to his own lofty expectations because he's been promoting it for, for so long on Twitter. So I think that's the case here, but you know, we're definitely seeing some weakness across the board in the overall market. All right, so those numbers, initial jobless claims, of course, came in at 190,000 versus that 195,000 estimates. So still trending in the wrong direction in that case there. Non-farm productivity here at Q4, 3.2% versus 1.6% expected. And then USA unit labor costs showing a spike there for Q4 to 3.2% versus a 1.6% estimate prior was at 2%. So you were expected to come down. You actually went up there in the unit labor costs. Don't know how many people watch that, but that just shows us a little bit more about the wage stickiness out there and wage inflation. Very sticky, 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 sticky. 
That's for sure. We'll take a look at some other stocks. I want to go ahead and get to uh, some of the other earning stocks. So there was one stock here that left me feeling a little bit like I'm stuck on, of course, the hanger here. I'm going to call it because uh, I got caught in Burlington, team. That's me right now. They're hanging me up in Burlington. You take it Let's through the report? To- yeah, I did. I got screwed into the report more like it. Let's talk about that. Let's take a look at the price action here. Their earnings came in and they beat on expectations. Q4 sales 2.74 billion beat the 2.6 billion estimate. Fiscal year 23 adjusted EPS at $5.50 to $6 versus a $4.02 estimate. That's definitely going to hurt. That's looking good to the upside. EPS also beat $2.96, beat the $2.73 estimate. So yeah, they got me on the coat hanger today. That happens to all of us here, Mitch, the coat hanger. So I mean, I'm on it almost every single day. I'm actually on it every day in certain trades. I mean, when you make some trades, there's going to be some winners, there's going to be some losers. So there's nothing you can do. Why'd you take it through the report? Just curious. Well, I mean, the stock is up over 105% since October. I saw the TJX reaction to that report. It got hit down on a decent report. Ross got hit down after it beat and beat. So I was like, well, this is the next discount one. It's up there near the resistance, has started rejecting the move. But yeah, as you guys can see, I took a hit on that one. And I don't take many stocks are, are you still to in the it? earnings. Yeah, I'm still going to maybe working my way out here towards the open. I'm going to see if we can get a little bit of a tick down to try to work out. But it's a really small position for me whenever I gamble on earnings, just like you kind of mentioned yesterday, yeah. Uh, yeah. Dennis. It's, it's just more like a little bit of a gamble, smaller size. Hey, and sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. I usually yeah. cut the size. If I'm holding something as a trade-through report, I usually cut the size down to about a third because yeah. the moves are just so extreme. So I don't want to like stomach a full-size position. I'd have to be really, really convicted yeah. to take um, you know, a big move through. And, and, uh, and actually, I took two stocks through here. I took Macy's through the report long, which actually worked out. And I was like, I cut a whole bunch of it out last night. And I was like, I can't take that much stock through it. Um, but I just kind of love the reaction to Kohl's. So the it reason did. I took this Kohl's through long, really I loved the reaction to Kohl's. Kohl's was a disaster, and they almost closed that thing green. I'm like, well, if Macy says anything okay, they're going to oh, rally my. the hell out of this. So I yeah. took a little bit of stock, third, probably even a, less, probably a quarter of a, a normal size because I was really nervous about it. And I wish I was like, why didn't I take a full size through? And I actually already got out. I sold a 23. I almost topped. I saw, wow. sold some at 23.30, and I think 23. Nice. 15 so in the low 23s which was near the high this morning um which you know i didn't time it perfectly obviously but 2371 is where yeah so i got out there there's a big buyer at 23 and i was kind of leaning on him a little bit too after the report so it went up and then it was coming down it's "Eh, it's getting too close to him and then it's obviously or her and um it's come back in but again when you're taking these through you know i had a little inkling i had a little feeling i was a little more comfortable taking you know macy's through the report for the simple reason is that i love the reaction even though cole's was a terrible report i just absolutely love the reaction to it so that's why i thought it was a low bar for macy's and it worked out so i mean sometimes you know you can take those you know i, I do wish i took a full-size position through it but i never got to do that 
Uh, wow, you got twenty three seventy one was the pop, but we got a little bit of a reset. So you're two bucks off the pre market high. You got to take that into consideration. Uh, just doing a reset here. You already traded through twenty two, so I want to give much significant here to to, to the twenty two twenty two dollar area twenty one ninety two. It looks like you can get that pretty easily. Uh, but the the better area is an area of three highs, and it's right at the twenty two. Let's call it the twenty two sixty area for the next target. And then of course that pre market high of twenty three seventy one. Market may be you know working against this a little bit today too. Uh, you know a down market. You know people are selling or taking profits, but that's what you're looking. S and P's are we're leaking towards the low of the session here. No bounce on there that number. Are. There was nothing, no interpretation of any good news from that number. Uh, pre market low thirty nine twenty five. Yeah, we've All got right. a big time leak here. Um, continuing to leak, and now you start feeling like we've cut through the double bottom that we put in the last two days. Yeah, the range broken. Dry. 393.64 held 393.38 also coincides kind of with the 393 and a half so we found support but now we're starting to take that through so now you go to the next Joel Alconan level and I'm just going to ballpark it and say it's 390 so yeah, yeah. another 23 handles down I feel like you've got that in this market maybe Same obviously we don't there. always yep. get down to it but that's the next bounce level so I wouldn't be jumping in here right now down 244 I think we could you know and especially with the way Tesla's getting killed here today um, and again, if Tesla turns around at the open, they'd start rip roaring buying it. They might just turn around and buy this too. I think the next level you're looking at buying the dip is 390, though. Yeah, I see uh, a pair of lows. Actually, there's three lows flanking that area, and uh, that goes back to the uh, you know to the two lows I uh, mentioned in the S and P, or actually the three lows in the S and P. So yeah, thirty nine hundred ballparking uh, daily numbers thirty nine eleven seventy five. That'd be the next target. But that's what we've seen in this market, man. It, it, you know, who knows the path uh, uh, to get there. Uh, what about uh, what about Snowflake? It looks like uh, that's uh, that's melting today. Uh, all right. Well, I wanted to touch Best Buy, but we'll go back to. I'll oh, go Best Let's Buy. Go. Stay with the retail. Yeah. Go right there. yeah so retail. Um, this is one that I was very high convicted to the short side. Was holding it for about five days, but yesterday it started coming back towards the close, and I got a little weak handed. I took the small profits. Didn't want to swing this one, and it looked like this one should have been the one to swing short. Best Buy, but hey, you know, hindsight 2020, right? Adjusted EPS, $2.61, beat the $2.11 estimate. Sales of $14.73 billion beat the $14.72 billion estimate. They did see their fiscal year 24 adjusted EPS to $5.70 and the high end of $6.50 versus $6.71 estimate. So lower EPS guidance moving forward and also comparable sales to decline three to six percent. Well, uh, let's see. It was bid up ahead of the oh, report. Really? It was bid up a buck, and I thought about it, but I'm like, it's not enough. You know, when I've taken something and you know, and, and I'm looking at you know, and, I, and it, Mason's a different story. You know, I wasn't worried about, but if I'm taking like an edge, like what was that stock that I was up three dollar Dollar Tree was up two or three dollars. I'm like, ah, that's enough. I was like a dollar. I was like, oh, it's up. A, somebody's been eighty three fifty. I was like, well, they're giving me a buck, but I'm like. I don't know. And then I was nervous about the reaction of these retailers, you know, like uh, the Kohl's scared me almost to be short retailers for the simple reason is that I like that reaction to Kohl's being a disaster and rallying. I'm like, well, if Best Buy says anything, okay, it could rally. I guess they didn't say anything. Okay, though. Oh, wow. Good thing you did cover that thing. That ended up 
bolting over 152. But uh, this Best Buy, I don't have a best support area. This 80 has been sticky, but it's definitely cut through it. Uh, I'd have to say next daily low, if you're looking for more on this one, 78.63. Uh, but, uh, and I noticed this in the Dollar Tree too. So keep an eye, uh, you know, the buyers can be sneaky on this one because when we were talking about uh, the Dollar Tree, I uh, saying, oh, well, can it hold 140? Because uh, that's where it was trading in the pre-market and that's where you had the daily lows. Well, it got nowhere near there on that opening print. Buyers stepped up right away. It ended up opening at 143.30, ticking 30 cents lower and, and exploded. So not sure if that's going to happen at Best Buy today, but just uh, it should be noticed. Some of the pre-market, I mean, the way you covered that Dollar Tree, I mean, you know, not holding on. I mean, I know that's your style to do it, but uh, surely worked out uh, to the good. But uh, It really had a wild range, eh? I'm just looking yeah. at the Dollar Tree because pre-market, <laughs> it was trading down significantly, and then it opened low, and they just bought it. Sometimes you see, this is why... I like if I'm taking these through to get out of them pre-market because you have wicked turns sometimes, even to your Burlington, Mitch. And again, um, you know, I, I'm obviously, you know, if you're short the thing, you know, it's always scary. And, you know, sometimes these moves continue, but sometimes you see some wicked reversals too. So you're not going to see that in a CRM because the volume's higher. And again, you often don't see these wicked reversals when the volume's like 10,000 shares or 5,000 shares. Yeah. And when CRMs trade as much stock as it has and trade a pile of stock last night, or trade yeah. 813,000. These aren't typically just going to reverse just like that because they've traded up there for too long. But when you get these ones that are trading like 500 shares, 600 shares, and it's down like $5, oh, it's getting killed. It's a, a couple people sold that only. So I'm like, nobody's really voted here yet. So that's when sometimes you're like, wow, what a reversal. Well, on some of these smaller cap stocks or mid cap stocks, they trade 500 shares in the pre market, down 10 points. Then you see it up 10, you're like, what a reversal. Yeah, well, one person sold it down there. So it wasn't like they voted and, you know, they had a thousand people voting. There's thousands of people voting for CRM right now. So yeah. it's a different story. <laughs> yeah. And they're all voting to the buy side here. Just and, and as much as the they're voting market. to the sell side on Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. It's Tesla. Well, you know what? This um, Tesla is sneaky, too. I mean, you do have uh, one daily low in this area. Uh, just one? Yeah. One one eighty seven sixty one. So you did get through that in the pre market, but uh, people love love to buy the Tesla pre market low sands at one eighty five forty two. All right, let's get to Snowflake. You wanted to take a look at that, Joel? Let's go into it. Snowflake adjusted EPS at fourteen cents beat the four cent Ooh. estimate. Sales of five hundred and eighty nine point zero one million beat the five hundred and seventy five point seven two million estimate. We'll see what happens. Is it time to go for the snow? Uh, in my opinion, no. Uh, but it's it leaking too. Yeah. And here's, you know, another one like, and we were just talking um, about Looks potential reversals and stuff. But this, you know, has been hit. It tried to come back a bit. Now it's getting hit again. That's not the type of pre-market chart. And the main reason, like me and Joel started, when we started pre-market prep 10 years ago with Benzinga, one of the main reasons we started this was people weren't using pre-market price action to trade intraday. Like we, me and Joel like to look, where did it go in the pre-market? Where did it go after hours? What's it look like? Because you can see a stock down 10, but maybe that stock was down 20 and now it's only down 10. And that tells a completely different story. And, you know, a lot of your charts providers don't even include it in, you know, the, the regular, you know, tech charts or they're not including in the regular candles. And I mean, 
this is so much information that we have here. So mm -hmm. when I look at this pre-market trend snowflake, I don't see as much potential for a reversal for the simple reason is that this got hammered and then they tried to buy it Hot back, people. but there was just too yep. many sellers and now it's getting hit again. This is not the type of chart that I'm looking for a potential reversal on. I and the only thing I would look at, I don't know what positions people have, uh, but I look at that 135 area, and you don't in a in a stock like this, uh, you know, 100 $140 stock, or it was $150 stock. Um, you know, you're not going to get the sweet double bottoms and things like that. But when I see four lows in the area, and I I've, I've put my uh, I put a horizontal line there, 133.74 to 137.31, I just go 135. Right. It's just it's a number. So they're the first time I, I would keep an eye on that level longer term. If you're looking to, you know, if, if down 1460 is not good, good enough for you. Um, I will say if if you if you if you do try and scoop this thing up and I mean, these things go all, all over the place. This 144 area uh, found some sellers uh, right after the, the kind of initial dip. Someone decided, you know, 4 a.m. I'm out and they hit the 144. So projected range 135 to 144 for shares of Snowflake. I like that when you give the projected range. I like mm. that. Sometimes right. it can be closer. Sometimes it can be <laughs> welcome <laughs> to trading. Dollar tree, or, uh, I still I'm still uh, amazed by first solar yesterday. I mean, holy. I mean, crazy move, man. Yeah. yeah, one that I'll put on your radar since you've seen that first solar is SEBG because that one loves to run a decent amount and had good earnings before first solar has started to get the move. What I like on SEDG is looking at deeper time frames like weekly and monthlies. Those can kind of help you. Uh, yep. I will say what Mark said, you know, and you're looking for potential, the next potential bull market. I still think solar could still be a driver here. Look at ENPH. And this is off mm -hmm. 138 bucks from the high there. If we go to 339 down to well, 120 now. But I'm looking at this whole 200 area here, Joel. Ooh, nice. And I'm like, we've come back. And here's a stock that's just been a monster performer for a very long time. Not a cheap stock. But if you look, you've got an overall uptrend here. I'd lean on the 200, the low that we just made four days ago, 196. Um, I, I don't mind this setup here. Again, if we're going into full bear market and everything's going to collapse with it. But if you think we're just going to chop around and sideways and you're looking for something for the potential, um, and, and even looking at the tan, I mean, maybe you don't want to pick on an individual stock, but the strength from first solar, SEDG, to your point, has been holding up very well here, Mitch. Yeah. I think some of these solar stocks um, could eventually catch a bit here once again. We'll see. There's a lot there, right? And I think there's some smaller ones too that you guys can keep an eye on to see if we start getting moving like Sun W and things like that and SPWR, Sun Power, but those don't look as strong. So at least there's very rare times that I would say at least I'm not looking at the laggard style trade there. I'm still looking at the leaders, SEDG for solar sure. and maybe ENPH because these other ones just don't look good. Like that Sun Power chart, I don't think that looks good. And and, it, and you're right. There has been some laggards here too. Smaller company, maybe not making money. I don't know if SunPower is. We I had a really good one in SunPower a couple of years ago. This was one of my good ones where I'd bought it like five or six bucks. And I actually got out of Summit 50, which is unbelievable. I never hold anything that long. But that was one of my biggest winners from 2020, I believe it was. Um, and it's come a long ways back down. It does have good support down here at 15, 14, 15. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, if you're looking for the leaders, you know, you got stocks like First Solar and Solar Edge near all time highs and you got this thing significantly yeah. off the highs. 
definitely not one of the leaders. Sonova Energy, someone mentioned here. That's uh, the smaller one, not performing as well. Looks like you need to clear 18 bucks in that one. Is that one. Canadian? I'm not sure. Which one? Nova? Sonova. Maybe Sonova. I'm I feel like that's Canadian. CSIQ looks okay, too. That's not Canadian, believe it or not. Canadian so I don't believe that. I don't really? believe Canadian Solar is Canadian. <laughs> uh, let's look. If, I, I, I might be wrong on that. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if it is. Uh, it's got to be Canadian. Canadian Solar. What about Canadian Pacific? Maybe it's got to be. Oh, yeah, it is. I'm bad. It's in Guelph. Come so on. It is. I'm not sure it trades in Canada. Canadian solar. Is there a Canadian symbol for Canadian solar? Or I don't know if there is. That's that's what's um, screwing me up. Sun Nova, at least I checked it out. It looks like it's based out of Houston, Texas. So not, not yeah. Canada. Canadian Nova. solar doesn't trade in Canada. Isn't that crazy? It, they want to like trade here. over here, man. Yeah, I know. You got to trade over, be there. over there. It doesn't trade in Canada. It only trades in the US. That's what screws me up. Canadian solar, yet it doesn't trade on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Weird. That one actually looks interesting. I like the pullbacks. I like the monthly chart, how you kind of have that inside candles similar. Now you can get through those highs, especially the January high, 44.06. See if we get through there. All right, let's keep going. Let's get to the disaster stock of the day. Disaster stock, Silvergate Capital. You read my mind, It's trading lower, of course. Um, The company's saying it's unable to file its Form 10K for 2022 with the SEC. And I've been pointing red flags in Coin, Silverbase, MSTR since November. I'm going to keep pointing that. And I wouldn't be anywhere near anything that has exposure to crypto. But that's just my yeah, but the, into it. That, um, it's up it, to you it's, guys. It's, uh, it's decoupled. The stock, I mean, you've got a little bit of a rally in, uh, in, in micro strategy and things like that. But the stocks uh, just uh, – what's the other one? Mara? They, stocks. I mean, Decouple yeah, stocks coin. decouple when they say going concern. You never <laughs> want to hear your stock talk about going concern. You never want out. those words written on any stock that you own. So far, Bed Bath and Beyond talking about a oh, potential, you know, because going concern eventually often leads to bankruptcy. When they start talking about concerns about yeah. um, be, still being a going concern eventually eventually they often lead to bankruptcy and we've had a number of stocks talking about this obviously carvana hasn't said it but we've been worrying about that one we've had bed bath and beyond they did the big you know capital raise but diluted investors so much of the stock had to fall novavax mentioned it two days ago and you know we can see what happened with novavax and now you get si with the dreaded going concern uh, commentary here. You don't want to see that said on a stock that you own. It hasn't popped at all that uh, Novavax. Should I? I don't. I don't even want to give levels. I mean, I don't want to give zero. Let's get supported so, zero. Okay, I do. You took it. You took it right <laughs> out of there. I, I don't want to say it because I got. You know why I don't like to say things like that? Because people own the stock, you know. And uh, I want them know. to get out while the getting's good. Yeah, but, man, you can't. And, and you can't act like things are rosy when they're sometimes stocks rally like when they that, go bankrupt. Right? We saw it with PCG. We have seen it happen before, but it is not a common occurrence. And they often don't go to zero, but yeah. they usually go to pennies when they go bankrupt. So, and they usually get delisted and then they're in the pinks and the pennies and they stay there for a long time. Lucky so, Kitchen. Look at Lucky Kitchen. Lucky Kitchen. Where is that Lucky Kitchen? What's the symbol on that thing? 
L K N C Y. It's too many symbols. Once you have five tickers, you don't own stuff. I know it's a thirty bucks though. Five letters either. Thirty bucks, Dennis. Thirty bucks. Did it do a split or did it do? No. I don't even. No, it didn't. This is like the hope story, and you don't often see. What the ninety-five cents? During COVID, no one was drinking coffee. I'm in bringing China. it up myself. Hertz did the same thing. I haven't looked at the pinks, company, right? Did, yeah, no, I, I, Hertz I, I, did I, the same thing. When they go to the pinks, they seem to wait. One. Though, didn't Hertz do a reorg? Yeah, Hertz it went pink just, first. Like, all of a sudden, it went pink just, first you know, and then came back. Around. Yeah. Didn't it do a reorg? Yeah, they I guess did. shareholders got something maybe out of it, but there was a full reorg on that too. So you gotta just watch as looking at the share prices because sometimes there's a reorg and they take shares from you and then they don't adjust the charts. So I feel like Hertz just didn't go straight back up. Maybe I'm wrong, but on some of these, again, we, we point out two. I could probably point out 100 that didn't do that. Where's Sears Roebuck, Joel? Where's, you know, Polaroid? Where's all the, you know, there's a ton of Woolworth. other ones out there. Remember Excite at Home? They were going to be the one that we were Kmart. challenging before Google <laughs> even existed. It was Yahoo and Excite. And that's what we do our search on. And this Yahoo and this at home Excite, it merged with the cable internet provider at home and it was Excite at home. That went to zero. So, I mean, a lot of times, a lot of times, if you're buying bankrupt companies hoping for a thousands of percent return, you're going to be left hoping in most of those cases. <laughs> Someone brought up uh, the Revlon chart. It's trading on the pinks now. R E V R Q, 68 cents now. <laughs> that Revlon. I, I mean, this is what is typical. It's not really norm for these stocks to turn around and, and just you know, people are saying, I'm showing my age. The bankruptcy stocks all go up. Well, you keep trying that. Keep trying those bankruptcy plays. I'm going to stay away from those. I don't want to hear going concern. I don't want to hear possible bankruptcy. I don't want to hear any of that if I'm investing in the company. Well, invest I got good companies at reasonable valuations. Don't invest in bankrupt companies at no valuations. That's just my tip. Do what well, you want, I don't know if you guys are thinking recession, but I think we should all just take a trip to Six Flags because it looks like it's popping here. Let's go to Six Flags Entertainment doing Q4 stuff right EPS yeah. 16 doing cents stuff, misses the yep. 18 cent estimate. Sales of 279.88 million missed the 280.33 million. And I think that the these statistics say it all, right? Their attendance is down 30% year over year, yet... Total guest spending per capita is up 23%. Admission is. spending is up 24%. And in-park spending is up 22%. So that says it all, right? Inflation causing prices to be a lot more. They're still able to kind of make some revenue out there. But yeah. the attendance is just atrocious, down 30%. Inflation is good for revenue increases. I mean, this is, you know, to your point here, Mitch, you can have less people and still have as much revenue. The problem is, is that your costs are going to go up with inflation as well. So yeah. it doesn't really help the bottom line, but it definitely helps the top line. So if we're just a top line market that didn't care about the bottom line anymore. Rah, rah, go inflation. Because you know what? Top lines will go up. Top the, the, the sales will go up with inflation. But the problem is the expenses go up with inflation as well. And sometimes they go up more rapidly. But you also on. need less people working, right? If you have, so you have less. Less customers. Have, yeah. There's less customers, yeah. less employees. Less, well, that's you know, why they're all firing people. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have just as much revenue. And we're going to have, but then you got the cost of goods sold. That cogs throws a little weird, you know, wrench into the wheel there. But, and then, <laughs> but. I mean, you got to look at your companies. You got to look at what's, um, you know, 
there's there's obviously you know a full balance sheet if you want to do balance sheet analysis we could send 10 minutes on it we were in this market for years it just cared about the top line and a year and a half ago we switched to start caring about the bottom line until we mm-hmm. switch back to the top yep. line market you yep. got to worry about the bottom line you got to worry about those expenses and you can't just buy a stock because you're anticipating higher sales uh, 29 and a half looks like a good area, um, in the six flags. If 29, I mean, little seller there at 29. So, uh, but 29 and a half, if you look at the upper right chart, there's about four highs in that area. So four highs, good enough for me to give that a four star level. Uh, before we wrap things up, let's go Krogering. Krogering. All right, let's take a look at the Kroger stock here. Of course, I've been watching ACI. I had a question on that for Dennis, but let's take a look here at the Kroger numbers. EPS at 99 cents, beat the 89 cent estimate. Sales at 34.82 billion, missed the 34.91 billion estimate. Uh, They did pause their share repurchase program to prioritize deleveraging following proposed merger with Albertsons. I think sure. their ACI has been leaking here. Obviously, they're worried this merger might not go through. I don't mm-hmm. mind the ACI down here. I actually had it for a long time, and it just kind of was doing nothing. And I didn't like where we were in this full-on bull market. And again, ACI is a grocery store, so it's going to do its own thing. But then I just started, you know, you look at it, and the dividend, and then, you know, really, you know, it's not trading at 21. It was really trading 27 because of the $6 dividend. And I sold it about a month ago just because it wasn't going anywhere and I scratched it out. And now it started to leak here. I do think ACI is okay. I don't know if the merger goes through or not, though. And this is the problem. So if it doesn't go through, it could start to obviously continue to go down. I think I'd almost just rather own Kroger. At this point, uh, in time, yeah, if I was one of them. up two bucks. Uh, yeah. I'm not chasing, really, not today. I don't not, buy stocks not, for not, $2. It's in no man's land here, really. Yeah. Uh, it, it looks like it's bid. You got an aggressive buyer here. Uh, I look for. I would look for sellers. If the rally continues, you know, you get the strong bid off the open. I see some room up to the 46 and a half area. That's an area of three, four, five different highs. Uh, if you and also with this one, I, I can remember this doing some reversals. If you get that, let's say you open 45 and a half, you go to 46 and a half, and then you come back down through that open, you may want to readjust your strategy on that one. But uh, Kroger uh, opening into some overhead supply at 46 and a half. All right. To wrap things up, I wanted to ask you guys, and I and I want to do this more often. Is how do you feel in the short term and in the long term about the market? Do you long? listen to the show? <laughs> I know I, that much, I, but short term, sideways, long term, down, ten year time horizon, higher. So if you got a ten year time horizon, you can buy some stocks here. If you got a one year time horizon, I think you're going to regret buying stocks here. Um, if you got a one-day time horizon, you might like buying stocks. So I have three different opinions on the time horizon. <laughs> yeah, which is so short term. What you got? Come off quite a I bit. I told here. you, you guys, for the high for the year is in, and I'll tell you when the uh, low I think for the year right. is in. Yeah, yeah. So, we, I, mean, I, that out after I, tell, I give that. this information every single day. I tell you what it is. I tell you where I'm at on a <laughs> weekly basis. I tell you where I'm at on a daily basis. Can't I told you guys. Me. 4,200. I thought I told you. I told you can't you, see me. He's doing the John Cena. You can't see me, T. John Cena. Okay, guys. <laughs> great show as always. I'll check, you, check in with you later. Have on. a good one. Definitely keep up with, of course, Pre-Market Chop. Prep Plus on Pre-Market Prep's channel. If you guys don't subscribe to Pre-Market Prep's channel, what are you doing? Come on. Check out the closing print also. That starts at 3.30 with Joel Alconan, and he brings on some guests. So you guys want to check that out. 
And let's go ahead. Let's wrap up this market, Dennis. We'll see what happens today. Um, are you, how do you feel about those energy names? I started paying attention to them I, a little I, bit I, yesterday. I'd be a buyer of energy stocks here. I like the pullbacks. You know how I am. And again, you know, I kind of buy mm-hmm. when the moving averages probably are looking not that great. But uh, <laughs> you know, okay. I've been nibbling on some options here. I feel like Warren Buffett, although he hasn't come to the rescue here yet, he's holding off pretty good because he. I thought he would have bought him days. How long does he have to... To, to tell us two days because he owns because over 20 percent. there was still 30 30 million shares traded on that the day after the earnings yeah i don't know i don't that know show up a lot today. of volume i think it's two days um we should ask the brentster brentster would know yeah this for brent sure would be really good desk. at this but i think at i the think end when of you're today, over 20 percent right? i think you gotta disclose within 48 hours and, and maybe somebody knows in the chat too if you're under 10 percent, you can go on the 13 f and you know that can be 45 days later but because he owns so much stock He's got to disclose it sooner. So I think it's two days. I don't know if Chad can verify that. Yeah. Um, ben I, saying I'm 45. Sure it's too. not 45 days because he owns over 20%. No, if he owns yeah, over 20%, not. you become under different guidelines. So it's 45 days if you own under 10%. I think if you own over 20, it might even be, I don't know what that threshold is, but he owns like 22%. I believe he's got to disclose within two days any trading activity. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what I'll be watching. And then we have some levels to watch in Oxy. We can get back above 60s. Yesterday's high, 60.09. You look to the left of that, 60.56. Really, there's some also resistance up towards like maybe like 61. But once we get to that level, it'll look for a little bit of a turnaround. I did see Chevron kind of similar charts, right? Bottoming levels. Uh, also the same kind of chart, if you think about it, for ExxonMobil, just a little bit different in the price range where it's at on the daily. But also kind of bottoming factors there multiple bottoms now starting to try to come back up through those highs um and then just one more that i mentioned yesterday that had a good move that i put on the radar was mpc this one looks interesting marathon petroleum corp has held the trend really well hasn't really broken down put a nice bullish engulfing candle yesterday so this is one that's on the radar all right we'll go ahead I'm and trying get to just out of here my here. friend anything Probably. else I was trying to research that. If it's 20, it's 10. I know. I'm pretty sure it's two days. When you I'm pretty sure much. it's 48 hours. Now, the, the question would be, is Brentster it at would the close? Know for sure. Is it at the close, right? It would be at the close for 48 hours for me. I would think that that would be, they would have to report it by the end of 4 p.m. today. But I'm going to go ahead and I'll check on that. I'll do a little research to kind of Yeah, get, we'll find that out. You know, ask the Brentster it. too. Brent's really good with that stuff. So he's probably mm-hmm. going to know. It changes as you buy more. You've got to disclose sooner. So as you acquire more, like 10% is a threshold. Uh, under 10%, then you, that's when you're seeing like 45 days. But once ownership passes, passive investors, label reaches, I'm just reading, uh, a, I see 20% required a 13D within 10 calendar days. So I'm not sure if that's up to date or not. Somebody's saying it's within 10 days. So within 45 days, if your ownership exceeds 5%, or within 10 days, if your ownership exceeds 10%, I'm not sure if it goes to within 20. So I'm just grabbing this, you know, so so it looks like if you're under five, you got 45 days. If you exceed 10, then it says you only have 10 days. But I think there's something that's even less. I thought it was two days, but I might be wrong. Maybe I jumped that up in my sleep. All right. Well, it looks like we'll just check it out. Well, I'm going to confirm for you guys. I'll, I'll take a look at it on live trading. Yeah, you we'll guys find out. Around. We'll, we'll, Brentster we'll go would ahead know. and make sure. Definitely have a good one, Dennis. Go do what you do best, my friend. Get to your trading action. We'll have you back on. Like You guys can keep up with everything that Trader D uh, 
Triple D Trader does, like always, give him a follow on Twitter. I'm going to go ahead and wrap up, bring you guys over to live trading up next. And don't forget, team, today is what? It's National Book Day, of course. You guys don't want to miss out. I want you guys to go ahead and make it over. World Book Day today. Let me, we, we got books, man. Do you see that back there? There's about four books that we're working on right now for our book club. I want you guys to join in. We're going to be doing Japanese candlestick trading book. I'm actually announcing it right now for the first time. So if you want to learn a little bit more about candles, like I just talked about for MPC, that that's a bullish engulfing candle on the daily. And I'm talking about this right here, this little setup. Well, come on over to our book club. That's where we go ahead and read and go ahead and discuss on the weekends. This is Sunday nights. So if you guys want to keep building on your skills and want to join us for the book club, I'm going to throw up the link right here. We have over 300 members, actually over 325 members. So if you guys want to keep uh, upping your skill. And remember, this is the only video that is absolutely exclusive to members out there. No one on the public is being able to get this. You have to sign up for the book club. This is the only video that I have on Benzinga that you have to be a part of the membership to be a part of. So I want to see you guys over at the Financial Book Club and we keep growing. I think one of the things that I love is that we bring diff different traders' opinions into that show and we get to discuss different outlooks. If you run into a barrier in your knowledge, this is where you want to discuss it to take it to that next level. We'll see you guys over on live trading. That's starting up now. Hit the like button and let's keep it going, team.